Hi, I'm Marcus. I've been working in the area of ageing and longevity for over 25 years, both here in Australia and right across the world. And I want us to develop new thinking on getting older. Booming the podcast is about unlocking the mysteries of getting older in today's society. It's about understanding the opportunity we have to embrace our new longevity and overcome the challenges that we'll encounter along the way. You certainly feel younger. You look at yourself and you think, oh my gosh, oh yeah, I do look a bit older. <laughs> you look at the photos on your licence. Oh wow, that was a while ago. <laughs> that whole not seeing someone as they get older, you can see that everywhere. Attention customers and staff, the store is now closing. We thank you for your patronage. <laughs> Loretta Ryan has achieved a long and outstanding media career across radio and television and is currently the host of one of the leading breakfast shows on Brisbane Radio. I'm probably annoying because I ask a lot of questions, but I want to Funny know. Funny that. Funny that. <laughs> but I want to know, and I think it's important to know and to be there. In this chat, Loretta quite openly discusses her family role, including supporting her mum in her ageing journey and the experience of her father's passing. We knew Dad's not going anywhere yet. He's a fighter. And we, I wanted answers. What, how can you... How can you be going into palliative care? What's wrong with you? It sort of makes me upset thinking about it because, you know, your once vibrant mother would be upset about, you know, why she's sick all the time. Loretta Ryan, welcome to Booming. Usually I'm interviewing you. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> so the roles are reversed, um, which we very much appreciate. Now, you've had a, an illustrious career across a variety of roles and formats in the media, but I believe I'm right in saying that your broadcasting career started behind a microphone at David Jones when you were perhaps a teenage girl. Can you tell us about that? Well, yes. And actually, I didn't start behind the microphone. That I was in the general office at David Jones and and I was upstairs, you know, where they paid for their lay-bys yes. and the, their accounts and things like that. So I had to learn how to count backwards, give back change. <laughs> still not good at that. I still get shortchanged. Um, but then part of that role also was the microphone and opening and closing the store and right. paging people, which I would never have dreamt that that would be, I suppose, an indication of what I might do later mm. on. Not that I was doing it full time, but when I worked Thursday nights and Saturday mornings when it was then, um, before there was Saturday yeah. afternoon shopping, shops finished at 12 on Saturdays. Indeed. Yes, I'm that old. <laughs> um, I would, you'd have to open and close the store and, you know, attention customers and staff, thank you for shopping at David Jones, something like that. Very professional and impressive. Attention customers and staff, the store is now closing. We thank you for your patronage. <laughs> there you go. You want to have a career in this business, Loretta. That's right. And uh, so, that look, that was a wonderful experience. So, I was about 16, 17. Right. I think I was grade 11 and 12. Yeah. So, that was your part-time job, which was great you know you, you earned your money and you learned that customer service and yeah so that first stint behind the microphone I never thought though that that was something that I wanted to do I was just paging people and I was nervous yeah how many times did I have to you know tap 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 <laughs> did anybody give you feedback and say no. you do that well or no actually was it an enjoyment factor for yourself it was just something you did no I was scared every time I opened it I'm talking to the whole store and then but I did it yeah. and I but I can't remember anybody saying anything it was just something you did in right. the general office yeah. you know you have to page people or they'd ring you up from other departments mm. to say can you page so-and-so to come back to the or there's a lost yeah. wallet or something yeah. you know yeah. um it was it was really enjoyable though i loved it sure I did. so what was the first fuel 
to your fire to, to be involved in the media professionally? It's really interesting. Look, I think I've wanted to be in the media ever since I was a young kid watching um, Jackie McDonald on yes. the cartoons of a Saturday. Right. And there was another girl called Shazza. I remember her too and I loved her. She had curly hair and I remember the socks. You know how you just remember people? Yeah. And I had a little room that I used to play in and um, I remember sitting in this room pretending I was on one of those television shows with, you know, throwing to cartoons and yep. things. But I just – probably you're just copying people that sure. you see and that you admire. And But I never – I never sort of – I knew I wanted to do something mm. and I know I remember myself saying I want to be something and I was offered to stay on at David Jones um, when I left school yeah. because when I was at school I, I, had, I was convinced I wanted to be a veterinary nurse and in grade 10 you sort of had to choose your subjects mm -hmm. and so <clears throat> I chose the subjects that you had to do, convinced I had to do it. So I think grade 11 you did work experience and so I went to a vet and did work experience and I, I think I nearly fainted. I remember there was an operation on a, I think a cat had an abscess on its lip and then a, a German shepherd had, I don't know, something else that was having a hysterectomy and I don't know, <laughs> do German shepherds have them? It was something. And I, I know I had to, I felt sick and I had right. to walk out. It and wasn't your calling. No, what a shame because I love animals mm. to this day. So... I didn't know really know what I wanted to do when I left school. But I left school. I still had my job at David Jones. So I knew I had that. But I knew that it wasn't what I wanted to do, mm. you know, for the rest of my life. And then mum decided, that's it. Come on. We're going to go into town. We're going to go to the CES. <laughs> what are they? What's it's, it's not the CES uh, now. Centrelink. Yeah. Anyway, we went in there and there was a job on the board that said, all it said was, you need English, maths, um, and typing, and, and I was good at typing. Right. And um, it was—I don't even know—it didn't say it was at a radio station, but it said it was a schedules clerk. Okay, so we went. I went for that interview, and it was at Radio Ten, which was in the city at the time. No sooner had we got home, and I, we got a call in the afternoon to say that I'd got it. You know, I can still remember the call because I can still remember being on the phone, and I and Mum, I can see her standing at the window looking out into the yard. And when she heard me accept it, I saw her face go, <laughs> yes, and um, and I was very, oh, thank you very much. That'll be nice. Yes, okay, I'll start Monday. You know, you're very serious, yes, yes. and you should be going. That's great, thanks. <laughs> but so that was Radio Ten, and that's how I started, and that. So I was 17 and a half. So, you know, I'd just finished grade 12 and that was yeah. about April of the next year. So that wasn't too bad. I was very lucky. As you sit here at this stage of your career, how does your approach to your career and your work now differ from perhaps in earlier stages of your career? I've always been so grateful and I've always, it's always been maybe a pinch yourself moment because especially for the people that I've met and worked with um, and I've worked at a number of stations and, and I worked with Shirley Strawn from Skyhooks and, you know, he's someone that I would watch on TV, on Countdown, yeah. by the records, Daryl Braithwaite, the same sort of thing. You know, Daryl Braithwaite, I was at school and I loved him yeah. and then you're interviewing them mm. or you're working alongside them but you just realise they're just normal people yeah. and you just have a normal conversation with them, you know, and... I've never taken it for granted. I've always been so grateful, but I've realised that it's 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 it became my life. Mm. I've I've been in it that long, and um, and then I think to myself, oh, is it wrong that it is? You, 
it's your life. Is it wrong that radio is your life? But I don't think so. I love it. Yeah. I've loved it all along. And I remember a friend of mine in the early years of radio when, you know, maybe the first year, he said to me, I've never known anybody else who loves going to work. And I do. Even when I'm having bad days, I still love getting up and going. Yep to the actual job. Are there particular people who've had a, a really strong impact on you personally or have provided some sort of inspiration to you? Well, one person that comes to mind straight away is a, is a, an elderly gentleman who was in the war, World War II, and he was a bomber, fighter bomber, right. pilot. And he'd written a couple of books and he was sitting, sitting in his chair outside a newsagent at my local shopping centre and he had all his medals on his chest. So I introduced myself and I told him where I worked and I thought I th thought he'd be a great interview. And so I didn't interview him, not there. Like yes. I, He came into the radio station and we sat down and we talked for ages about you know, his life and, 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 and you know, having to f drop the bombs and, mm. you know, just... Yeah, oh, things we, we can't fathom. Things really. we can't fathom yeah. and that's the whole thing and that's why I thought his story was so important to be told and to see him sitting there in a shopping center as people go about their business i looked around and i thought people this this man is the reason you are able to do this today stop and talk to him why do you think people do walk past and don't don't stop and they talk? just don't see him they see an old man sitting there mm -hmm. um look i don't think all people are like that sure. because certainly people do stop and say thank you yeah but people are going about their everyday business mm. they're focused on what they're doing and they they don't take notice enough of what's around them. And I don't know, it made me sad. That's why I had to go over to him and yeah. tell his story. And I'm so glad I did. And it was a great story to tell and yeah. got a great reaction. And and also it made him feel worthy and feel good. Mm. And I was, yeah, it was, I was pleased. With your experience of being in lots of different places and, and seeing lots of different circumstances and events and what's your observation of societal's view of our ageing population and, and longevity? Well, I think um, that whole not seeing someone as they get older, you can see that everywhere. Mm. I know I've been walking with mum through a department store and when you walk through the perfume, perfumery part, the girl, young girls come out and they want to spray you with a bit of perfume. And I was with mum this day and they went straight to me. They just didn't even get, they just ignored her. And even she said to me, do they don't ask me? And I thought, yeah, that's so true. Why is that? They, she's a, a woman who would love a bit of perfume as well. Spray it on her too. How did that make you feel when you saw your mum treated like that? Oh, terrible. I felt terrible for her. I felt hurt for her. I, I felt how she was feeling. Mm. You know, I wondered if she continue to think think that you know because i would i'd probably yeah. be it'd be in my mind the whole mm. time oh, well how do they see me mm. and sometimes i i do think that now too because for example today i'm running around and and um the young girl that i was working with we were laughing and and i thought hang on a minute gee i feel like i'm 25 <laughs> the way i'm acting um but yeah i i i think it's it chips you down it's almost like it's chipping on your shoulder and yeah. it's just that chip away. And I just it's not fair that we think or we do um, not acknowledge um, our older relatives, older friends, older workmates because everything that they've done beforehand, it's sort of like we're disregarding it. And another thing I notice as well is that 
for some reason, we tend to treat our older relatives like children again. We sort of boss them around or tell them how to do things. And I don't know what it is, although it does happen, I must say, we've seen it in the media as as well, haven't we? You call it ageism. Yeah. Um, where you get to a certain age and all of a sudden, what, you're not hip enough or you're attracting the wrong type of either listener or viewer mm. or, or whatever. Mm. Do you know, I had someone say to me just the other day, um, and it, I know it was a compliment, but I thought about it. And she's a young girl, she, she's about 30, and she said... Um, Oh, she said, you know what? You've done really well for the way that you've adapted with technology. <laughs> and I, I thought, I thought, I'm not going to get offended. She's giving me a compliment and it's true because... Well, a little bit of a backhand with a compliment as well. A little bit of a yeah. backhand and compliment. But I don't think she meant it like that, but sure. it's like, oh, my gosh. And it's true. When I learnt radio... There was none of this. The computers were only sort of new. The discs that I had to work with yeah. were these mega discs that yet I could hold with two hands mm. that I had to go and put in for a backup overnight. Yeah. Um, so, And we were still playing records. But I do think that is that ageism thing really upsets me. And as you're getting older, and, and I'm 56, as you're getting older, you, you do feel it yourself. And mm. I've started to feel mm. it. Sometimes you do feel a little bit talked down to, if that makes sense, or, um, yeah, and I don't know if they know they're doing it, but you, then you start to get insecure and, and you, la- you start to lose your confidence as you get older and that's something that you've got to stop yourself doing and, and I'm certainly trying to. How do you overcome that? I think you overcome that by learning the new technology. You've got to keep learning all the time and... Also, you've, you've got to not be scared to um, teach as well because there's this thing called reverse mentoring where we can learn from the younger people but they can learn from us as well. But listen to me talking about younger people. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. they, and, and that's, I think that's a great thing in a workplace to be able to do that type of stuff. Um, but I think you've got to feel valued but you have to keep learning all the time. And that's the challenge. I've heard you speak before about the educator role that the media could and should play across a range of different societal issues. Do you have a sense of responsibility in the role you play as well as the media more broadly with issues like ageism and and discrimination? Yeah, definitely, yes. And, uh, you know, I think that we have to be able to tell those stories because when you're broadcasting in the media, in the TV, radio, anything that you do, you you're an educator as well you know it's up to you to tell people what's happening in the news but also where to go for that information and how to help each other get through but we have to I think we need to tell those stories of older Australians who are doing great things or you know tell those stories of those maybe who are struggling so that whole ageism I mean we saw it with the Royal Commission and that whole aged care Business. We did a lot of interviews about that and it was heartbreaking to hear. And yeah. it's important for us to put those heartbreaking stories on the radio and to hear the family members who have been struggling to look after them and to yeah. get heard. It's important for us to, to not wipe that under the carpet because it it's, doesn't sound good. Mm. You know. So I think, yeah, it, it's an important role. Coming back to the family aspect and it's often difficult for people to, to uh, understand or, or to work out how to have the more difficult conversations with older family members. And you've given the example of 
um, seeing your mum hurt and, and impacted. Do you bring up those sort of conversations as a family I'm or, not or good. with your family? No, yeah. I'm not good at it at all. My mum will say things like, um, she says, oh, I won't be here, I'll be kicking, up. you know, what do you say, pushing up daisies or something? And I say, oh, mum, don't be silly. You know, how grandma lived till she was like nearly 100, you'll be right. I don't like those conversations and mm. I do, I, I cut them off. And I shouldn't cut them off because I've often thought to myself, maybe she wants to talk about things. So I'm not good at having those conversations. Mm. But gradually, I like to have the conversations about her life and what she remembers and tell me as much about your life because I think she's had a life like we've had a life and you forget that your parents were young like you when you weren't around. They were having a life that you had and you forget about that. So I want to hear as much as as that as I can. A girlfriend of mine, she sat down and recorded her grandmother who wow. was nearly 100. What a great idea. A great idea to get those stories yeah. so that you never forget them. And and also it's I can't get my head around that, oh, yeah, I wasn't there and and she must be looking back on her life now at 87, remembering herself oh. as a young girl. I look back on my own life and wish I was back there again as a child yeah. because, I don't know, it's, it's, I don't like what's coming, you know, uh, I, which is a sad thing to the reality. Sure. Mm. Can you share with us the role you play for your family now as, as your yeah. parents have grown older and perhaps how your role uh, relates to your, mm. your siblings and the roles they mm. play as a family? Yeah, so I have two older brothers and often it falls obviously on the older brother to do a lot. But in 2019, my dad died and he, we don't know why, but he got an illness, an infection, and um, it, was a, it was a long illness. And he was in hospital. They couldn't tell us what was wrong with him. We were going back and forth. It was real, it was stressful, and particularly our mum as well. And they told us there was nothing more they could do for him. And so they put him into palliative care. We knew Dad's not going anywhere yet. He's a fighter. And we, I wanted answers. What, how, can you, how can you be going into palliative care? What's wrong with him? And he was um, on dialysis. They did blood transfusions. His kidneys were failing. They could tell us nothing. They had some sort of diagnosis of dead gut. What's dead gut? Never heard of it. Never heard of it before. And one doctor said to me, said to us, um, look, if it was my mother, I would be putting her into palliative care. And and don't get me wrong, the medical staff are wonderful, but I could not accept that because I, I didn't get an answer. He, he shouldn't be like this. Anyway, they, they put him into palliative care, so they took him off all the medical treatment. But we kept asking questions. He's not going anywhere yet because they even called us at 4 o'clock in the morning and said, I think it's going to be soon. We got up there. We were still there at 9 o'clock that night. And then he was asking for a thick shade. And we said to the doctor, he's asking for a thick shade. I don't think he's going anywhere. So, he, and he got better. And they said, well, we'll take him out of palliative care now and start treating him medically again. And he came home. During that time, though, we were advocating the whole time for him. So we were asking, do, we want you to do more tests. Because we could see he, him, he was sick, certainly, but he wasn't ready to die yet. And anyway, he, 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 he shocked them as well. They've admitted to, to us that he shocked them. My point of that particular story is 
What about the people who don't have anyone to advocate for them? They don't have anyone to question the doctor's treatments, to say, no, I want you to treat him again. And this was over a, a long process. We had to ask questions and and be there and for them. And, and that's the other thing that I do with mum as well now is go to doctor's appointments with her because they don't hear everything for the simple fact because they're shocked and they're listening to this doctor speak. And you've got to be there to ask questions. But, yeah, I did. that did strike me. And we did get him home. He died eventually of heart failure. But, hey, but he was home for a good probably 12 months. Yeah. When your dad passed away, what did you then start doing for your mum and and how are you continuing to support your mum? Yeah, well, that's she's since then had her knee operation and she's had and a hip operation, so she's got two new hips and a knee. And <laughs> Ready to roll. Well, she was playing tennis twice a week until she was about 80, until the knee, you know, gave way. And... I find though after after that emotional ride with dad and now after these these operations and since then she's had some heart valve operations and stents and things it takes her longer to bounce back and I think you notice your parents all of a sudden aging and and that is hard but I try to be positive all the time no mum you're right come on just do this you got to eat better and <laughs> Um, try, I'm, I'm thinking all the time, how do I make her eat better? If she, it, it, What food can I give her? Do I, Because otherwise she might just eat a frozen meal or, or something. I mean, not, she'll eat well, but sometimes she'll eat smaller meals or can't be bothered. Or, um, and I'm finding now too, I have to push her to go to the doctors or to go to the physio. She has a sore back. I push her to go, come on, mum. I'll take you to the physio. No, I won't go to the physio. No, I'll be right. Go back to balance classes. I'll leave it till next week. So I make a go and to make her feel better, that bit of movement. Yeah. But I want to go to the doctors and the physio appointments with her to hear what they're saying, again, because they don't take everything mm. in and and to ask the questions. Mm. And I know I'm probably annoying because I ask a lot of questions, but I want to Funny know. Funny that. Funny <laughs> that. But I want to know and I think it's important to know yeah. and to be there. Mm. You mentioned the realization that your parents are mm. older mm. what were you noticing what were the triggers for you that oh hey mum mum's yeah at a different stage of life a now, little or? bit of um balance problems after the knee and the hip and sort of not walking as straight as she would not being as sprightly as she was because she's not yeah. playing tennis anymore and also i noticed a bit of depression and i think that especially after the operations because she wasn't mm. bouncing back mm. and it it sort of makes me upset thinking about it because, you know, your once vibrant mother would be upset about, you know, why she's sick all the time yeah. and why in her life has she had all these operations. And I would say, Mum, but they're things that can be fixed. You're fine. It's not cancer or anything, yeah. you know. You, you're fine. You'll get there. And so I find that my role is trying to build her up. And, yeah, sorry. You clearly play a really important role in your mum's life, Loretta, and no doubt give her lots of strength and yeah. motivation in, in what you do. Let's talk about your own ageing journey. Oh, thanks. I really cry now. <laughs> because we're all ageing, <laughs> no matter what number we, we are. Do you consciously plan about different phases of your life and potential changes in circumstances or potential changes in other, yeah. other areas? Well, you know, I think... As when you're working so hard, 
you don't think about it. All I'm thinking about is work and rushing here and doing this and that. The only time when I've sort of stopped recently and thought about it was looking after mum and dad and thinking, who's going to look after me? I'm not married. I don't have children. but And I have brothers and their families, you know, my nieces and nephews and great nieces and nieces and nephews <laughs> but will they look after me yeah but I give you so much <laughs> but so I've worried about that about where I'm living I own my unit but I would have liked a house but now I think about at this age I'm not going to get a loan I'm not going to pay off a loan so is that an observation about ABC weight rate yeah or? it is <laughs> certainly um but yes, I have started to think about that. I've started to think about health and the way your body changes. You're not as young as you are. You certainly feel younger. You look at yourself and you think, oh my gosh, oh yeah, I do look a bit older. <laughs> um, you look at the photos on your license. Oh wow, that was a while ago. <laughs> but um, I just try to stay fit. I try to do as much as I can and keep active because yeah. I think that's important But and keep your mind active as well. So I've started doing Wordle as have a lot of people around the world. <laughs> I want to come back to something you mentioned before in terms of um, your career and, and life in general about adapting. And uh, clearly you have adapted uh, continuously through your professional career and obviously as life evolves too. How have you been able to adapt? Has that been a, a conscious effort? Has there been particular approaches you've taken to ensure that openness and ability to adapt mm-hmm. at different times? Do you know, someone gave me a compliment the other day and I, I felt really great about it. This was the pick-me-up I probably I needed at that particular time. He said to me, we were talking about people in radio and longevity, and, and he said, you know, you're a real survivor. You're a real survivor, and I really admire you. And he said, you don't survive in radio by accident. And I thought, oh, wow, that's such a compliment. I think it's the best compliment I've ever received. Absolutely. And when he said that, I thought, you are right, and I'm going to – you know, hold my head up high and be mm. confident about m- what I've learnt and what I've done. Um, so how do I adapt? It is, again, about learning that new, new technology. And we have new technology at work, new d- desks that we have to push the buttons to. And I tell you, it scares me and I do it. Um, but it might take me longer to learn it than others. But I know, and I know this about myself, I'll be frightened about something and I'll be worried about learning it but all of a sudden you get it and all of a sudden you can do it yep. easily. But it's just that initial learning. Even though you see some people so quick, how did they get that so quickly? It just takes me a little bit longer to learn that technical stuff mm. sometimes. Mm. But I can do it when I do it. Um, so adapting, I think it's, it's all about having respect as well for what you do and being prepared to or open to learning mm. and to listening to other people. Um, and I, I've been a bit of a stayer and I, I sometimes I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because my first radio job, seven and a half years, then I moved into my next radio job was 16 years. So it was Radio 10, Triple M, and then I went to 4BH and 4BC and that was nine years and now I'm at ABC and I started at ABC at about 20. 15 I think it was so the way I suppose the way I've I've stayed in those places because I've been learning so much certainly the first one and because I've loved it Mm -hmm. I've just loved the work and I thought why do I leave if I love it so much and I've been lucky to be 
in a capital city in Brisbane, of course. I think it's also taking risks, backing yourself, saying yes to things. I think it's Hugh Jackman, I heard a great quote said, I think he was asked, he he was on stage, you know, during, during the musicals and then he was asked to do Wolverine and... He, he thought, oh, I can't do that. But he said, yeah, sure, why not? Okay. And he said at the time he thought, I'll just say yes anyway and just do it. Yeah. And he didn't know if I could. Yeah. And that, that is it, just have a go. Mm. And that, uh, that's all age groups, mm. I think. Have a go, go out and see people, join those groups. I went and interviewed um, the men's shed gentleman the mm. other day and these men... All of them said I just had to get out of the house and do something and meet others. And they're making these wonderful things mm. in the men's shed. And it's the same as other groups. Just get out there. And supported and, by their wives to get out of oh the yeah, house and do something Oh, yeah, that's so true. Too. One of them said that too. But, look, I'm just like the next person. I hate going to things by myself. Mm. I'm, I'm a bit shy. And to make that initial first step and to talk to people and you're the only one there, you know, you don't take someone hard, with you. Yeah. It's hard, but yeah. you've got to do it. And then yeah. you'll thank yourself. Yeah. Mm. Three quick questions to finish off with. If you could talk to yourself 20 years ago, what's the one piece of advice you would give? (laughs) Let me just work out how old I'd be. 20 years ago. Take your time. Counting backwards again, these are these early skills of yours coming back to the fore. Yeah, maths was not a good thing for me. Okay, counting backwards, probably would have said, do not go out with that man. (laughs) Do not say yes to the engagement proposal. Which I didn't get married. I didn't get married. Um, Yeah, if if I I would definitely have said choices, just different choices I might have made, I would have thought about it a little bit more and not jumped into so many things. Not that I jumped into all those things. And hindsight's a wonderful thing. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. But, yeah, I would have made some different choices, I think, yeah. What's the greatest thing about getting older? I think you can say anything and people don't care. You can say what you like. And that, you know, Good for someone in the media to have that's that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> because my grandmother was great. She used to tell dirty jokes, not really dirty, yeah. just funny little jokes. And and my brother's friends used to love her because she'd they'd come in and she'd spray them with perfume. Uh, just she, we used to call her. Well, I didn't. To me, she, she was grand. But my brothers and their brothers' friends would call her Chook. No, they call Mum Chook and Grandma Old Chook. <laughs> <laughs> but just the little things I remember about her. It was lovely sitting at the window watching the trains come by. She lived near a train station, listening to Mull of Kintyre by Paul McCartney. You know those. Oh, yeah. You yeah. just feel listen. You just remember those wonderful yep. things. And she's left me with some great sayings and great funny things that I that I still recite to this day. Fantastic. One thing you wish for in your future? That's a really hard one. Look, just health and happiness is what I wish for. That That's the first thing I always wish for that, health and happiness and plenty of friends around me. And, you know, once upon a time I used to think, oh, going out tonight, might meet someone. Look, I don't think about that so much anymore. <laughs> Never know what happens from there. Never know. Farmer wants a wife. <laughs> Loretta Ryan, thank you for sharing your insights and your inspiration. It's been wonderful. (laughs) Thank you so much. That was a really personal conversation with Loretta and she clearly illustrated the power of adapting and evolving in work but also in other areas of life as well. She spoke about the influence older loved ones can have in shaping our outlook on life and the important roles they play in our families, which perhaps are sometimes under-recognised. For more information like these life lessons, please go to the Booming website, booming.net.au.